Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broaden our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hello, everyone. And Jason. Hey, everybody. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Pretty good. We haven't been able to record together in a little while, so I know. Nice. So this is very exciting. Yeah. So well, we have a good. chill vibe going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm in the laid back mood. <laughs> it's good to be laid back because we're doing a listener episode, and these are some of our favorites. We just get to sit back, relax. Someone else decided what we're watching. Mm-hmm. So if the movie sucks, it's someone else's fault, not one of ours. <laughs> and today we are checking out Let the Bullets Fly, directed by uh, Zhang Wen. Yes, I believe. Correct? Sure. Mm-hmm. Close enough. Sure. Maze Belt. Bay. What's his name in Star Wars? Uh, Baze Malbus. Baze Malbus. Baze Malbus. Right. That's what I said. Yeah. We can cut this part out. Do you want to say it again? No. Okay. I don't. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, but before that, um, we're going to do all our usual stuff. I've got a shout out. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. All that fun stuff. Excellent. So for the shout out, I've gotten to this idea of doing like something different on these listener episodes. So I wanted to shout out not a podcast on our network, but one we've been collaborating with. Uh-huh. Um, so I wanted to talk about the Jacked Up Review Show podcast. It's a bunch of cinephiles and retro TV connoisseurs grouped together to talk about different you know, genre tropes, different shows, TV shows, movies, anything and everything pop culture pretty much, and give thoughts, commentary, discussion, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, one host, really cool guy named Cam, and he just constant churn of guests and different special people on usually someone who's relevant either they have an interest in that topic or they're in the industry and have some connection there or something like that or they're just a couple of goofballs like us yes um so we've collaborated on a few episodes those will trickle out kind of down the road the rest of the mm-hmm. year um we'll be sure to signpost those on all the social medias it'll be very easy to find uh you've done a few jason i'm doing a few mm-hmm. michael i guess you're a little elusive Right now, you can't you can't pin me down. He's like the wind, baby. So he'll yeah. come for you eventually. You'll be the last uh, Infinity Stone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Voramir already. Yeah. I'm already <laughs> floating around there. I already jumped off, man. Uh, yeah, but Cam's a super awesome guy. He's yeah. very knowledgeable. Uh, great host. I've had a super amount of fun times being on there for the few I've done so far. Yeah. Um. So look forward to those and go check them out. If there's any random thing you have an interest in. Chances are they've either done an episode about it or they're going to do an episode about yeah, it. Yeah, they put one out like every day, don't they? I think it's like Monday like through Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. yeah. I test, uh, you know, hats off to his like skill at getting those out on time. Don't Seriously. you guys dare even like, start <laughs> suggesting we do these more often than we no, no, do. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's the Jacked Up Review Show podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes. Go check them out. Show them some love. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Excellent. All right, Jason, what have you been watching? Okay, so I watched a movie called Kimmy, Steven Soderbergh's new one. Yeah, okay. I don't think I've heard of it. I've read about that. Uh, yeah, it's basically the blurb is an agoraphobic Seattle tech worker uncovers evidence of a crime. It's got the Zoe Kravitz in it. Oh, cool. I like her. Yeah, yeah, she's good in it. Okay. Um, it's a good movie. It's a solid movie. Uh, it... This might sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's good because it is made well. <laughs> uh, in today's climate, and um, 
devotees of the show will know that I sometimes complain about a lot of modern films and stuff like that. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. You? No. But Kimmy, it's, it's an hour and a half. It's very tight. It's a good script. Uh, every scene leads into something else. You know, it matters. Mm-hmm. There's a character arc. There's setups and payoffs. There's some subtext. You know, it's just a good, old-fashioned, real fucking script. And it's made competently. And it's a fun watch. It's nothing you're going to remember. You know, you probably won't have to go out and buy it on Blu-ray or something. That's well. <laughs> Depends. I'll see. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a nice watch. You won't hate yourself for watching it. Um, again, it, is, it sounds like faint praise. <laughs> but if you want... It sounds like kind of high praise for you, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was just refreshing because it felt like a real movie. Mm-hmm. And, and not, not a fucking like toy it's... commercial or a bunch of interchangeable characters that are the same, doing the same thing, fighting some big blue light going up in the sky or some bullshit. It also sounds like it's not a sequel. <laughs> right. It's not based on a book. Maybe it's based on a book. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, it has some similarities to like um, Blow Up or Blow Out or The Conversation even. But, I mean, those are kind of tropes now anyway. It's not like it's really mm-hmm. ripping anything off. Yeah. Which that in itself is kind of nice that it's just not an IP. Right. It's like a script that someone wrote yep. and it's just with, there. With subtle acting and edited well, shot well. I mean, Soderbergh, he's a good filmmaker. I think that's on Max, right? Uh, yes. Correct. I think I saw that mm-hmm. browsing through there. Yeah. So. Cool. That is my watch and recommendation. Awesome. Michael, what do you got? I was going to do something different, and then I watched one today that was surprisingly good. Oh. Um, I haven't shown any love to Shudder in quite a while. Has been a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I typically shill for them. We love Shudder. I'm a simp for Shudder. <laughs> and you know our sister podcast, Attack of the Killer Podcast, I think they have like the Shudder promo code thing right now. Do they? Yeah. Sweet. AOTKP or something like that. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, you want to cool. get, get the free if you, Yeah. If you don't have Shudder, do it. Just do it. I, Just I, do it! I, <laughs> I think I accidentally left mine on to renew every year, and I just don't mm. know it. And well, like it's it, like, what, six, seven bucks? It's like, nothing. It's like yeah. five. It's only like 40 bucks or something yeah. like at, for the whole year, mm. and I don't really pay attention. It's like it happens, and it's I'm like, so oh, worth well, it. I guess I have Shutter for another year. I'll say Arrow is worth it, too, because it's only like five bucks. I need mm. to grab that one again. Uh, well, I watched one from 2022. It's one of the Shutter exclusive films. It's called The Cellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on my watch list. Um, Alicia Cuthbert is in it. Um, oh, her. I watched that too. Did you? I did. I'm interested to know what you think. Okay, go ahead. Because I didn't think you'd like it. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, I was interested because of Alicia Cuthbert. I always liked her. I, yeah, loved, I love her. I loved uh, The Girl Next Door. <laughs> that was just such a bonkers movie that I'm really shocked ever got made. I worked at the video store when that came out, and I got to That's take... not the Jack Ketchum one, right? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. It's the one where Timothy Oliphant played that batshit um, porn producer. Oh, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. Yeah, she's like a porn star, moves in next door, and... Yeah. yeah. She was in House of Wax, too, right? Um, yes. Yeah, I worked at the video store when that came out, and the owner let me take it home, like, the night before it's released to watch it myself, <laughs> before it, like, went out into general distribution. Mm-hmm. It's, that was funny. I'm still surprised that movie got made. Yeah, put out because it was pretty raunchy for the mm-hmm. time, even during that whole like raunchy. But if you enjoy those like raunchy teen comedies, it's like one of the best. I oh think. yeah, I think yeah. so easily. Anyways, this movie though. Um. So it is this, not a raunchy teen comedy. <laughs> uh, the description 
I don't think does it justice. It says, Kira Wood's daughter mysteriously vanishes, vanishes in the cellar of their new house. She soon discovers there is an ancient and powerful entity controlling their home that she will have to face or risk losing her family's souls forever. Um, okay, so I don't really know where to start with this one. It's a, I think it's a small film, which I kind of like. It's kind of a small, closed set. Reminded me a ton of A Dark Song. Oh, those can be some of the best. In a lot of ways, like everything is basically set in this one house. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a lot of mysterious shit going on, and her daughter does disappear into the cellar. Um, I think the film does a really good job of creating dread and atmosphere, like pretty much just with music. Because mm. um, if you've got the sound low, you're kind of like, this doesn't work. <laughs> so I turned it up. And I was like, oh, okay, there it is, there it is. Um, but it, what really hooked me was when it started to play with the mathematical, magical stuff, like the alchemy. Ooh. And it like dropped the alchemy thing in there, and I was like, well, shit, I'm hooked. Because I love that shit. <laughs> I'll have to bump this up on my watch list then. Um, Jason may disagree with me. I don't think it's anything fantastic. No. Um, but I think it does have a lot of really fun moments. Um, it trips itself up sometimes on like little plot things that you're like, yeah, that was kind of a waste of a time, mm-hmm. waste of a scene. Um, but overall, I thought Alicia Cuthbert was really good in it. Um, the- <laughs> Jason's like, yeah, she's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's sitting like on IMDb. It's sitting at a five out of ten. Honestly, that's probably not wrong. Yeah, it's about where I'm on it. It's it's average to me. But I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the. Um, of the theology behind it, kind of the... I don't think there's enough stuff that really plays with that alchemical yeah. thing. Like I can only think of like Dark Song and then um, As Above, So Below really does. Yeah, there's probably a handful of other ones. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I'm so fascinated by that that I didn't really care how bad the movie might be. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm in for the ride now. Let me ask you this. Uh, have you seen the short it was based on? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, it came out in 2004 called The Ten Steps. Okay. So the short itself is basically the first act of the movie. I could see that working better. Yeah. Mm. And that and the first, you know, how the first act ends. I won't spoil anything because it's a new movie, but that's where the short ends. I could see that working better because it's almost like once they start to develop past that, it seems like it goes in too many different directions. So right. It's kind of like a lights out situation. Exactly. Yeah. I think so. I think the short is superior, but I mean, again, the short is about one quick scare, but it it, it it's better because it doesn't explain what's going on. Yeah. This really does do that trope that I dislike of where it really tries to explain some things. Um, the special makeup effects were not bad. No. I actually was worried how that was going to play out when the quote unquote monster mm-hmm. shows up. I was like, ooh, that's not going to look bad. And it actually looked pretty good. Yeah, it looked pretty good. It, hmm. it I wish the dog soldiers thing where you just, you don't overshow it. Mm-hmm. You show it when you need to show right. it in the right light. Shoot it, it right. Good. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of wish that it was an anthology film. Huh? <clears throat> uh, like, if it, if he'd just redone the short and then maybe a couple of others, you know, I think that would have been a lot more interesting. But still, well, I won't talk too much about this right now for reasons that will become obvious. But for some reason, anthologies still don't seem to be that popular. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, anyway, for the seller, it's only an hour and a half. It's really short. Hmm. Um it is does kind of have some pacing issues for an hour yeah, and a half. Yeah, that which, second act drives. Which you're kind of like, you only have an hour and a half. How do you have pacing issues? But still, <laughs> I was not upset that I watched it. I thought it was pretty fun. 
Um, yeah, it's worth know, a watch. I think it was definitely worth a watch. Cool. I didn't have to hyper focus on it either, which I I like sometimes. I know that sounds like a not a good thing to say. Just want to turn your brain off and have a good time. <laughs> not everyone needs to be like a, a art school, you know, lecture. Kind so of you're thing. saying it's not elevated horror, is what you're saying? I ain't going there, man. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah. this is on Shutter. So even if it does get you on Shutter, there's a billion other things on there you oh, can yeah. watch and have fun with. So yes. All right, well, buckle up because I got a bunch. Oh God. <laughs> I'm going to focus on two, but I'm going to rapid fire through a bunch because I've been on a box set explosion. It's been binging. Uh, I continued my quest to finish the Shaw Brothers box, and I'm happy to report I have finished it. Yay! Cliffy, shout out to you, man. You inspired me to keep going. This is Cliffy's episode. It is Cliffy's episode, yes. He's the one that he's suggested all about it. Yeah. This is all for you, Cliffy. It's all, it's all for you. Uh, so picking up where we left off last time with the Mighty Peking Man. Uh, Challenge of the Masters. This one was probably my least favorite one in the set. It's not that it did anything bad. It was just like very, very like right on that line of like standard kung fu movie. Didn't yeah. really do much for me. I mean, there are a ton of those, you know. And uh, the Shaw Brothers cannot be. There's a lot of those. Yeah, too, yeah. With the Shaw Brothers lines. Um, Executioners from Shaolin. I actually quite liked this one a bunch. I dig that one. It's still the same. Like the Shaolin Temple's been destroyed and they're dispersed now on the run. But this one, like, uh, in, in, you know, Cliffy's original letter, he talked about, like, there's not many, like, badass female characters in this. This film is, like, one of the few in the set that has one. Because there's this guy on the run, and he's, like, a master. I think it's of the tiger style. And he meets this woman who's a master of the crane style. And she kind of, like, one-ups him and his crew. And they end up, like, falling in love and having a kid. And it becomes this whole, like, generational story of, like, he wants to defeat the guy who destroyed the Shaolin Temple but his style alone like isn't enough. And then the wife wants to teach him crane style, but he doesn't want to learn it. Cause he sees that as like, Oh, that's like your thing. You're the woman. I can't like do that. And he ends up like going off and trying to beat this guy and dies. <laughs> and it falls to like his son once he's grown up to like go and actually like avenge him. And he like inherits like from the mother teaching him the crane style. And then he learns like from his father's manuals, the tiger style. And then it's like the big battle at the end. It's the combination of those that lets him like overcome and win in the end. Yeah. Cool. That's a very tough. brutal final kill too, where he rips off this dude's hairpiece and then like jabs it in his skull. Whoa. Damn. Pretty epic. Super fun. Love that one. Uh, the Five Venoms. This one's like a legend. Yeah. I was glad to finally see it. Mm-hmm. I think I told you about this, Michael. I felt weird when I first started watching it because I was like, I'm kind of not into this. I don't know why. It seems weird. I think it's just the the mix-up of when he first gets to the city and he's trying to, like, suss out who the Venoms are and all that stuff. But then once it kicks off, man, this is, like, ooh, one of the best ever. Just so many good fights and, like, creative creative camera work, creative choreography, everything. That's the one that Tarantino cites all the time. It's, like, one of his biggest influences of martial arts films, which take that how you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Heroes of the East. This one was super funny, and I was kind of surprised about it. This is the one where it's a dude and he gets a uh, Japanese wife and it's almost like a domestic romantic comedy thing, except she is very into like Japanese martial arts, yes, like yes. judo and stuff I like that. I love this yeah. one. And he is very much a champion of like Shaolin martial arts and they end up having this huge domestic dispute that ends up with her going back to Japan and like complaining about him to like these martial arts masters that she knew and had like grown up around. And they come, like, all the way back to China to do this, like, showdown with him to, like, ultimately decide, like, which martial arts are better. Hmm. 
and it you... gives like this uh like they'll get they'll pick up a new weapon and it like freeze frames yeah and will like list the weapon oh that's cool on the screen <laughs> and then they'll like go through a kata with the weapon or mm-hmm. something like it's so bonkers that it's like okay <laughs> nice. yeah it's really over the top it's really funny and I thought it was going to be, like, I don't know, like, it was going to, like, put down on one side or the other. But it's really pretty fair in that, like, even though the lead does defeat all of the Japanese martial artists, by the end there is this, like, respect and understanding between them. And it's just really a very much, like, a celebration, I guess, of martial arts in general. Cool. So I thought that was super fun. Uh, Chinatown Kid. I really loved this one a lot. It's probably one of my favorite ones in the box set. It's very much like the boxer from Sheng Tung, but done at the time in the 70s. So it's just like a dude, a young dude, down on his luck, good at martial arts. Uh, he mixes up wrong with like some triad, and he ends up going to America, to San Francisco, to get away from it. So it was actually set in the modern day. Yeah, which modern is day. Kind of an oddity. And then it becomes a very like Scarface kind of tale, where he find, falls in with like some triad. He rises up through the ranks. He goes from like rags to riches. But then he sees like where in Scarface he like obliterates himself through <laughs> through his own machinations. In this, it's like he sees the corruption of, like, the drug trade and kind of starts trying to, like, stop that and change that, hmm. which leads to his downfall. Uh, super fun. A lot of great martial arts in that one, too. They do a lot of good, like, set pieces where he's, like, at a store or in the streets. <laughs> a lot of funny camera stuff going on, too, because you can tell that, like, they sent a crew to San Francisco to shoot B-roll for, like, a day. <laughs> but then, like, everything is just, like, sets they made in Hong Kong. Ah, right. And even some of the driving scenes, like, you'll see a car take off, and it's on one side of the road. And then the next shot, it's like a close-up of the driver, and they're on the opposite side of the road suddenly. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem, <laughs> yeah. Dustin. Completely incoherent, <laughs> but uh, super-duper fun. Uh, Dirty Ho, the last one of the box set. This is I'm sad to say I didn't like this one as much as I thought I would, especially after Cliffy kind of talked about it and mentioned it, because it seems so cool. Perhaps the title misled you. You were expecting something else. No, no, no. It's the, <laughs> I loved the first part of it where it's like almost like a Looney Tunes sketch, which, you know, speaking of that, that also kind of trails into our movie today. It's just these two, like, swindlers trying to one-up one another, and there's all these ridiculous, like, things that go on. Like, they try to fight, and one time the guy, like, grabs a girl, and he's like, pushing and punching like her arms and legs to make her fight the other guy hmm. and pass it off like she's this martial arts master very funny there's another one where a dude's trying to poison him and they do this whole like shaolin like attack block routine but it's them moving their cups around oh, that's fun. and trying to like force the other one to drink the cup with the poison sounds very jackie chan yeah i was gonna say very jackie yeah. yeah it felt very jackie chan it was super funny super hilarious but then like the second half of the film you get all this stuff about, like, the one guy's, like, a, a prince who's, like, maybe going to inherit the throne. And there's assassins trying to kill him. And he takes the lead guy and is, like, training him up to go fight. And eh, it gets very, like, conventional at that point. And there's cool martial arts stuff going on. There's a very cool, like, wheelchair fight, too, where the one guy gets injured. And they have to fight off this whole gang of assassins where he's just, like, in a wheelchair. That's fun. And the other guy's, like, pushing him. Mm. And all their sort of moves and routines are based around, like, him fighting from the wheelchair. Cool. I mean, let's be real. Most of these movies are made around, like, we have an idea for yeah. a really cool fight. Yeah, here's this cool moment. How can we make it happen? And then they're like, yeah. great, write a script for the rest of <laughs> right. it. Right. <laughs> but my actual movie, quote-unquote, from the box set, the last one, the one I really wanted to highlight is Crippled Avengers. Because <laughs> if we're talking about that wheelchair scene in Dirty Ho, if you want to have like representation for people, this film is insane, but it's super good and super fun. Begins with a dude and his uh, his like he's like a martial arts master. His home gets attacked by bandits. 
they kill the wife, they chop off the son's arms. He shows up, kills the bandits, and he vows to make uh, arms for his son and will like train him. And so he gets these iron fists. So you're thinking like, oh, this is like the like starting point of all those things, like man with the iron fist and all that stuff. And he's going to be this badass martial artist mm-hmm. with like metal hands. That's not the plot of the movie. That's all just the setup <laughs> because it time skips and this father-son duo have become like jaded and evil <laughs> oh, wow. in the wake of that happening. And they kind of rule their little town with an iron fist. So like on one bad day, they're just like marching through the town and several different people cross them. And subsequently, they maim each one of them. They blind one. Uh, they feed one like a poison that makes him mute. And I think they like clap his ears so hard he becomes deaf. And then they chop off another dude's legs. Wow. <laughs> so this martial arts master rolls into, or he's like a training guy kind of thing. Like he's good, but not like the pinnacle, you know? He passes through and he's like, well, this is injustice. I'm going to stand up for you and like go, go stop this tyranny. So he goes to fight them, loses. And then they, like, put his head in this vice clamp and go so tight with it that it makes him, like, brain damaged. And he gets the mind of a child. So then you have these four, like, terribly maimed individuals, and they manage to find the master of the martial artist. And so he trains each of them in, like, a martial arts style to overcome their disability. And it's a lot of the things you're going to think of. The blind guy, he basically becomes, like, Daredevil. The whole, like, he can sense his surroundings perfectly. Some of them were kind of clever. Like the guy who is uh, mute and can't hear, they teach him to do a lot of things with like mirrors and reflections hmm. so that no one could sneak up on him and take him like unawares. Um, the crippled guy, the guy with no legs, they make him metal legs, hmm. which comes to an amazing payoff later when he's kicking people <laughs> with metal <laughs> legs and just like fucking destroying them. But uh, it was fun training scenes, and then it comes back, and you know, it is the big revenge where they go back to the village. They mount this attack against the uh, the father-son duo and take them out. Cool. Super fun. Crazy over-the-top action. I really loved it. Everything about that sounds like something that could never, ever, ever be made right now. <laughs> no, probably not. They'd be like, I'm not touching that. No, sorry. <laughs> I can't touch that at all. <laughs> um, so that's the Shaw Brothers box. Case closed. I'm ready for the next one whenever that's going to drop sometime cool. this year. I and, those, and those all are all on Arrow right now, too. Mm-hmm. So. so what, five, six bucks? Get mm-hmm. at them. Yeah. Uh, other thing I want to talk about. I was in this box set craze. Post the Shaw Brothers box. And I've got the Severin Full Core box. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and started that. So Most were, of that's on Shudder too, isn't it? I think, a lot of it's on Shudder. I know the yeah. documentary's on there. Mm-hmm. So things in that I've checked out. Eyes of Fire, super fun early 80s Full Core set in America. A little weird at times. It had kind of like a hokey, upbeat thing. It has to be like a inspiration for the witch, though, because it has that whole like persecution. Let's go out into the wilderness and find our own place. Interesting. Led by a zealous uh, religious person. Really cool special effects. They have like mud zombies going on. Not like from Spookies, right? They're no, not like no, no. farting and stuff. No, 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 no. Okay. Right. A little more serious than that. <laughs> they have weird like tree face, like faces like grafted into trees. Some really weird, almost like psychedelic stuff going on. Hmm. Um, and the cool thing is like in this box set and they might be streaming. I don't know how that's set up, but on each disc, they include like some short films and it's kind of themed by like region. It seems so far. So like the first disc that was set in like early Americas. So then the features was like, there was an early seventies cartoon version of the legend of sleepy hollow. Hmm. That was really, really cool. Really interesting. 
Um, Not the Disney one, I presume. No, no, no. no. <laughs> this was like 1972, I think, and it must have been like a TV thing or something. I don't know. That sounds familiar. I may have seen that when I was a kid. Um, there was another short, I think, called Backwoods. It was an adaptation of the picture in the house. Oh, the nice. The H.P. Lovecraft story. How was that? Uh, quite good, but they, they, eh, they'd made a few choices that I didn't know if I liked, but mm. overall it was a pretty faithful adaptation. Uh, second disc I checked out was, blah, blah, blah. I forget how to pronounce the title. Lip, Lepteresia. Lepteresia, I don't know. It was like She Butterfly is the translation, but it was very like local legend kind of thing. It was like their version of a vampire story. Oh, cool. Uh, where like this creature comes out of the grave and is like killing people off and sucking their blood. And it goes through a lot of the like, they have this stuff like they go and want to try to like nail his body down to keep him mm-hmm. in the ground. A lot of stuff like that. Super fun. That one had these crazy short films on it that were like TV movies. So I was like, hey, synergy with our stuff. And the one was like, it's called The Ward. And that's my one I want to actually like talk about, talk about. Not the John Carpenter movie. No, no, no. Okay. It's this guy. It's all, it's all black and white. It's very like, almost felt like a Bergman film because it was very like artistic. But there's this dude on a run on the run from a man in black, and he ends up at like a asylum, and he goes in seeking refuge, and they take him in because they think like, oh, we're gonna treat him. He's clearly got something wrong with him. He's like obsessed with this idea of someone pursuing him, and you see the man in black kind of like hovering around outside the place and like stalking him, and it's very very abstract, very surreal. It was very haunting to watch, hmm. and just the combination of like the music and the way they have composed everything. Um, and it gets into that thing, like, is it death? Is death stalking him? Is it just someone who's really after him? Is it the preacher from Brimstone? Uh, didn't seem to be, no. <laughs> hmm, um, so that's the one I really want to highlight. I'll put the trailer up for that. I also checked out Witch Hammer. Super awesome. I think this one was, like, Ukraine or it's Soviet era, something like that, around there. That's a killer title. Yeah, I'm it, pretty sure there's a band named Witch Hammer. I think so. And it was just a very good, like, witch trial era kind of thing. Cool. But I liked it because it very much didn't go into like any supernatural stuff, and it was just sort of the way of like people could manipulate that mm-hmm. scenario and accuse other people, and it had a very like crucible vibe to it, or sort of like maybe um, Witchfinder General yes, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the entire witch hunts <laughs> aren't actually about supernatural? Mm. <laughs> that's a combination. That's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> Uh, All you needed to do was just go, oh. <laughs> the last one I checked out, and I'm sorry this was so long, um, no, v- Vi, or I think it's V, maybe. Oh, did you watch that? Um, yeah, that's, this is like acclaimed because it was one of the only horror films to come out of the Soviet Union. Isn't it great? If Tell I'm me, honest, you, oh God. I didn't care for it too oh, much. Oh, motherfucker. No, listen. <laughs> The one scene that everyone talks about, the final church scene where all, all the creatures come out, that part is amazing. That's like a five-star film, mm-hmm. short film by itself. Everything leading up to that, I was like, I do not, I, do, I don't vibe with this. I do not care. It's this weird, like, very jokey, very hokey, like, dude wandering around. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just couldn't get into Didn't it. Didn't work for you, huh? It's funny because they have, there's all those, like, stereotypes, right, about, like, oh, ha-ha, Soviet era russian people ah vodka ha 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 and you're like oh that's that's terrible that that was a thing and that was like the stereotype that existed and then this film just like is that stereotype like every third joke is a joke about like maybe we'll get some vodka (laughs) sometimes stereotypes exist for a reason dude (laughs) i was like dude i I couldn't get into it okay i liked it i think it's fun i think it's beautifully shot it is a very gorgeous gorgeous movie and the effects of the actual creatures when they Mm -hmm. appear yeah. Like, I wish there had been more of that, I think. I mean, I agree. Well, that but, was their whole budget. Yeah, they didn't have any sure. more of that. 
but like the old witch and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- that, I think all of that was cool. I, I like it. Go check it out. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's worth watching just for the like historical context. I think I'll say that. And if you, you don't like it, then it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. So today we are talking about Let the Bullets Fly. This is a listener episode. It was suggested to us by Cliffy. Thank you so much, Cliffy, for this suggestion. This is just Cliffy's episode all around. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just his recommendation <laughs> for this one. It's Cliffy's... This is dedicated to you, Cliffy. <laughs> if My this man. episode sucks, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we gave it our best. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, directed by Jiang Wen, notably starring Chow Yun-Fat in one of the lead roles. My man. Genre-wise, I think it's usually considered an action comedy. I was surprised because when you watch the trailer, they call it a comedy thriller. It's not a comedy thriller. It's an action comedy. Um, And I think definitely we have to acknowledge there's a lot of spaghetti western influence on this one. Big time. Unlike some films that might claim that when it's not the case. (laughs) Jason. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I think so. I think we're going to end up talking about this quite a bit. With this is so the only other Chinese film that we watched was John Woo's um, Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled first episode, which is very very different from this mm-hmm. because one is Hong because Kong, it was Hong Kong. One is Mandover. Mm-hmm. So I think that we're probably going to talk about that quite a bit as we're going through this because it seems like. Films that are for mainland China, shot in mainland China, and decided and like ultimately dedicated to that audience, tend to get genre blended all the fuck over the place. <laughs> like it just feels like they will genre blend anything that might sell that movie. So calling this a, an action thriller or comedy thriller does not surprise me one bit because <laughs> there's just it's more about what will sell the film. Mm-hmm. Well, it must have worked because at the time it was like the highest grossing Chinese film ever made. Yeah. Yes. It made 674 million yuan, which is what, 110 million US, something mm-hmm. like that. And it was only, it was it was the top one until it was beaten in 2012 by Painted Skin, The Resurrection. That's an interesting title. Very Did you look that movie title. up? No, I, I didn't have time it's to. It's one of their fantasy ones. Um, there's like this whole subgenre of Chinese fantasy films mm. where they go into like a lot of Chinese folklore and then then there's like a lot of these are on Netflix. I've seen some of the ones where they've adapted like Journey to the West, like the Monkey King stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If if you um so if you look up the painted skin, the resurrection, um the the one sheet for it, it looks like every other <laughs> fantasy <laughs> film that's ever existed. But that's like a whole slew of a genre of Chinese films and mm. and most a shit ton of them are on Netflix. Yeah. Wow. And they're all the same. Mm-hmm. And speaking of successes on this movie, it was nominated for a ton of awards, but actually did win a handful. It got uh, Best Costume Design at the 5th Asian Film Awards, Me Best too. Adapted Screenplay, and Best Cinematography at the 2011 Golden Horse Film Festival, uh, Best Costume and Makeup Design at the 31st Hong Kong Film Awards, and last but not least, it got Best Director at the 18th Hong Kong Film Critics Society. Cool. So yeah, a lot of accolades on this one. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the film is set in uh, China in the 1920s, which was a kind of a specific time 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, all the warlords were basically fighting for territory there. Um, but it is centers around a character named Pocky Zhang. <laughs> yes. Which I fucking love his name. Um, <laughs> and he leads, that is played by Zhang Wen mm. uh, or uh, Baze Malvis, if you might know him from Rogue One. <laughs> I, inter- I mean, that's kind of the thing, though. It's funny with Rogue One, it brought over Donnie Yen in his first actual American film appearance, and then also Zhang Wen mm. in his first American film appearance. And, and they're and then, both great in Rogue One. They really are. Both. And Some of the best just, parts. And then they're yeah. gone. <laughs> there yeah. was apparently supposed to be much more about their characters, and it just didn't happen. But I would way, love to see the cut footage from that movie one day. I know it's never going to happen, but oh my god, that would be so interesting. I want to see Donnie Yen actually kicking the shit out of a stormtrooper because he's known for like not pulling kicks <laughs> I know, that, that one fight looked pretty brutal anyway he probably somebody got fucked up there um anyway Paki zhang leads a group of bandits um mm-hmm. which we have to talk about the way they look because it's so much fun oh yeah um they none of them are named nope they all have numbers instead and uh i'm all, not a number i'm a free man thank you um they all have these like bullseye things. Like yeah, it's mask like a, things. a mask that kind of hangs over their face, and it's got a bullseye painted on it. It's batshit. Yeah, I love it. And immediately, the vibe you get is that they've taken just straight up like all the tropes of spaghetti westerns and like married those to historical China in the 1920s. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're on horses. They have guns. Very, very like cowboy aesthetic with everything. And the the film has already started with a. Um, like a an engine coach and train or whatever that's pulled by horses. Yeah, I love it because you see the tracks. Yeah, and then you see like the train, but then when it pans out, you see it's pulled by horses instead of like an actual steam engine. It makes me wonder how common that might have been. I don't know. I, I figured it was a construct for the film, maybe. Yeah, it was very unusual. Mm. I don't know. If, I mean, sure, it's possible, but I don't. I don't know if it could. If it, I don't know. That started bugging me, and then I started looking, and, and the cross ties are removed. It's just the rails, so the horses are able to gallop on it without tripping. Hmm. Okay. So I was like, how are they even doing that? And then, I, oh, okay. I'm going to struggle with this movie time Oh, me too. No, I, yeah, me too. I admit that. It's all over the place. Hmm. Well, the first thing is, inside this train, we meet a bunch of other characters. Uh, there's a governor, right? And he's coming to a city to assume his... Uh, his governorship. Region, governorship, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, Ma Bong, right? Yeah. Is that how you say his name? I thought it's it was Governor Ma. Governor Ma, yeah. Ma Bangdi. Bangdi, Bangdi. Okay. Yes. We're going to butcher these names. So I mean, sorry. Yeah, I only took we... two years of Mandarin in college. <laughs> Fuck if I remember anything. We apologize. Um, yes, but there's on his way to Goose Town mm-hmm. is the name of the place that they're and going. And he's got a wife, and then he's got like, a, it's, a, it's an advisor of sorts, right? Yeah, a counselor. Kind of, a counselor, yeah. yeah. And they're just cutting it up. They're, they're doing some jokes that are like... I guess they're based on like historical Chinese stuff. They're funny, but they kind of flew over my head. Yeah, that, they're like singing just, songs and stuff like that. That's just a lack of knowledge on my part. Yeah, I'm sure it's a cultural it's, thing. It's shot well to where you know it's supposed to be funny mm. because the like, it's edited so well that it's like yeah. back and forth to where you get that it's a humorous thing happening. And I feel like every actor in this film is at 11. Oh, yeah. All the time. Totally. Um, so you kind of always get the fact that it's supposed to be mm. goofy. Uh, but yeah, th- there's a lot of cultural stuff in this movie that I think you're supposed to find funny, but you don't always because it's wrong cultural audience. Mm-hmm. 
Which is fine. But I, I will mean, say, like, don't let that discourage you because it never it never was a point that like it pulled me out of the film at all. No, no, yeah. I didn't think so either. It's just it probably would have been funnier had I been Chinese. Mm-hmm. I would probably would have gotten a lot more of those references, but I still I think every actor does it so well that they're so much yeah. fun to watch that their performances alone are just funny. Yeah. To watch. So predictably, if we're talking about a Western, they do exactly what you're gonna expect. They raid the train. Of course. And this is where we get the um, the phrase of the film, because mm-hmm. uh, we see uh, Paki Jong fire off some shots at the train, and they're like, "I don't know, did it do anything?" Yeah, it did seems it like anything? he missed, and perhaps. he's like, and he tells them, "You gotta let the bullets fly a while," and then then it happens, and <laughs> and then it's just he's over such a good th- shot. He shoots the horses loose without injuring the horses, yes. right? And all mm-hmm. of the action is so over the top. It's very almost cartoony because what ends up happening is the train car actually like flips. Yeah. It's and a very questionable some, CGI. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> and, oh, man. And hey, people out there that hate bad CGI, That's it's, it's me, me, Dustin, your boy. I'm there with you on that. But <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, if you suddenly get pulled off by this, like, stick in there because the rest of the film is pretty, pretty more level. Yeah. There's less egregious. Like, the really egregious CGI is Until right here ends. at the start. And then. There's a bad one at the end. Yeah, there's a bad one at the end, but. It's not this like twenty four seven. Right. It's not. It's not an effects heavy film. Mm. This is just one of the few parts. It's such an odd. It's an odd thing to leave that shot in. <laughs> like, well, you know what bothered me? I was gonna let it go, but now that we're talking about it, when it first is showing the train and kind of panning around, there's a sky shot, and there's a CGI bird that's like, I hate animal CGI. I guess because I had the same feeling as like uh, the Green Knight. Or uh, they did this in The Northman, too. It was like one of the few things I was like, why? They have these CG animals. They don't need them there. And surely they could find a real animal. But like, even if you can't, and that's too much of a thing, like you don't need that shot. I agree. Oh, that's my one super nitpick on this scene. I don't think I even remembered the oh. CG bird. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes, it's I hard did. to miss, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, I think the train... Oh, just completely yeah. overshadowed that. And when it hits like, the water and oh god, splash! I was more okay bad. with that than the bird. I don't know. It looks bad. If you watch any of the like corridor crew YouTube things, yeah. where they like break down yeah. VFX. This could easily be on one of their <laughs> bad ones. And it just goes down to they don't want to spend the money and time it takes to do the effects. Mm-hmm. Unlike in America, where we'll spend five hundred million dollars in a fucking movie. And you yeah. have to make a billion just to break even. <laughs> it's yeah. Please keep going. If, if it's you worth see it to this, keep going. Already the tone though, I do think that the way they set up the tone didn't deter me that much because I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it lets you know from the get go that it's hyper reality. Yeah, that yeah. it's and not it's goofy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So somebody else got to keep. Oh, so once the they basically now go get go to the train because uh, they're gonna rob it. Mm-hmm. essentially, and then find out that there's no money, right? Well, they, they derail the train, they go to check, there's no money or anything, and it's killed, I think, most of his bodyguards, it killed the counselor guy, and it's just him and his wife that survived. Yes. Yeah. And they're trying to rob him, and then there's a lot of great, like, back and forth, like, <laughs> the guy who plays him is, uh, Gay Yo? Yo Gay? I don't know how to You've say his name. You've seen him, but- and... He's in other stuff, I know for You've sure. You've seen him in a lot of different things. I He's guarantee. good. He's really the, the good. The back and forth between him and then Zhang in the film, like throughout, is just so amazing and so well, like acted and played between them. 
Right, and I think that's when, if, if you are a native speaker of Mandarin, I think that it would be much more improved. Because, and I, I know Michael, you had this problem too, but it was kind of hard to keep up because it's so rapid fire. It's and hard to read the subs and get the context of everything. Already, when a quickly. when a film is, uh, especially if it's a subbed film, already you run a risk of losing some comedic. Um, holy shit you already run a risk of losing some of the comedic timing just because you've got that lag see i don't have that problem but i obsessively watch stuff subtitled all the time i think it happens though sometimes like the subtitles will pop a second too early and it'll spoil the joke Hmm. um i don't know i find that in some in some foreign sub films but this one yeah it is a little it's pretty rapid fire. But what we learn is that uh, Ma doesn't have any money because he spent it bribing his way to get this position mm-hmm. with the assumption that once he was governor, he could make it all back in taxes and other stuff. Yeah, but he, he tells him he's the counselor. Yeah, he lies. He, he, he passes off the counselor as the governor who died. Yes. And he tells Zhang, well, you can pretend to be the governor and I'll be your counselor and you can go in there and you, you can clean him out or do whatever you want to do because mm-hmm. you're a bandit. Uh, but the problem is, is Goose Town already has somebody who is already planning to uh, oppose this mm-hmm. to begin with. Like, he knows nothing about this whole ruse that's about to take place. Um, it's opposed by a local mods, mobster boss, uh, Master Huang, which is uh, Jason's lover, Chow Young Fat. Chow is so good in this. Oh, yeah. He is having so much fun. And it's one of those things where, like, actors can often get typecast, right? So for him, it's often, like, the serious action roles. Mm-hmm. To see him in this, where he's, like, so funny, and mm-hmm. his comedic timing is so great, it's like it's like a really refreshing yeah. scene. But he's still fucking cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, they can hear your erection. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, yeah, I'm not ashamed. Uh, yeah, he's basically just a crime lord in Goose Town that kind of runs and controls everything. And he doesn't even he doesn't even meet the governor when he arrives. He just sends his one of his best hats. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of goons and one of his hats on like a, a litter. <laughs> it's so hilarious. It's so bizarre. There's a lot of bizarre shit in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then I love that because Charles looking at him through the telescope, right? And somehow. Uh, Zhang senses him looking and he looks directly at <laughs> yeah. Chow Fat. Chow's like, oh, what? Yeah, he stumbles back. It's so great. And also in that scene, isn't that when he has the like double? They said that he has a, he has a body double. Yes, looks exactly like him. And the body double's like practicing saying things the way that he says them. And he just keeps imitating everything that he says. <laughs> he eventually tells him to rip out his teeth and to put in gold ones like his yeah. so that he becomes even more yeah. of his body double. Which... Honestly, pays off to one of my favorite jokes of the whole film later. Oh, yeah. With the body double thing. Um, oh, another thing we should mention, too, when, when the setup of Zhang coming in, another of the lies that Ma tells him is that the woman, the, it's his wife, but he says that she was the wife of right. the governor who's yep. dead, which will become relevant much later on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so, they, so they get there. He here. gets set up as the governor. Well, a lot of little they, things happen. They introduce in this movie. him. There's a lot of back and forth. Uh, the key thing is that Ma tells him that, like, the general agreement in the town is that Huang would, like, split the tax money that was levied, like, around among, like, what was, like, two or three different families that kind of ran things yeah. in the city. And they get this whole problem of, like, I guess what they normally have happen is that the governor would tax the people more. Mm-hmm. To bring in a bunch of money, and then like it's like split out, and then eventually the governor gets like a little bit in the whole exchange of everything. Yeah, 
Zane doesn't want to take money from poor people. Mm-hmm. They have a very like Robin Hood vibe yeah. going on with them. Which that's a thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, when you look up this film online, a lot of people compare it to Yojimbo. And I really don't see the comparison. Like I get the broad point of it. It's like Drifter playing roams sides roams into stuff. town. Yeah, but, but he doesn't really play two sides against yeah. each other. He assumes one of the sides. And whereas like in Yojimbo, the whole thing is it's like a, a lone wanderer out for mm-hmm. themselves. He has this agenda of like, I want to steal from the rich. Yeah. I want to give back to the poor. Especially two people trying to outsmart each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe three people. <laughs> That's just a... I've seen that thrown around a lot, though. A lot of people want to throw you a Jimbo, and they're like, oh, it's like your Jimbo. Probably people like, who've never seen your Jimbo. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, have you, did you watch it? It's, it's, I mean, broadly, there are Asian people in it. Correct. <laughs> It I is. mean, Yojimbo was a big influence on a lot of Westerns, so that, like, link is there, but... But other than that, yeah. it's really kind of lost. Yeah. So, I mean, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, you're closer in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Okay. I fucking love that movie, and I will there fight go. There anyone, we go, Michael, yeah. I will fight anyone that disparages that movie <laughs> right in front of me. I actually never saw all of it, so... Really? Well, yeah. you're missing out, man. Oh... Uh. I mean, it's straight Mel Brooks. There's no I question. Know, but there's good Mel Brooks and there's not so good Mel Brooks. So, I don't know. That one's good. So instead of playing ball with Huang, Zhang decides that he's going to kind of work to undermine him and eventually like oust control of the city from him. Right. And at the same time, Huang decides that he is going to do everything he can to ruin the new governor and kind of just keep his control lock solid on the town. Yes. Um, so the first kind of incident we come to is uh, they want to like start having trials for things that go wrong in the town because that's one of the ways the, the governor can bring in money is they have these trials and people have to pay like the court fees, I guess, is like yeah. the scheme of that. And so there's a character called Wu, and he's like this champion fighter guy. Pees on rugs, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, Wu peed on my rug. <laughs> um, but he severely injures this guy. And so they have to have this whole, like, court ruling about it. And I think they intend that they want Zhang to, like, let it go. And instead he decides to, like, throw down the hammer as hard as he can. Which then puts them in this position of, like, well, now we have to do something back to him to get back and show him we mean business. Mm-hmm. And so they set their sights on Six, who is actually Zhang's godson. Yes. And during this time, too, we get a little bit of the backstory about how, uh, what was it, his father dies and he's orphaned. And the father, like, as he's dying, asks Zhang to take him on and look after him and help him. Right. And I think... He's like a son to him, basically. Yeah, basically. And Zhang's intention is eventually, once they have so much money, he's going to have Six, like, stop this whole bandit life and actually go and get, like, an education and be able to make something more of himself than just being an outlaw. Mm Mm-hmm. Very nice, very heartwarming. You may as well just put a target on his back, too, after that little speech. (laughs) Because what happens is they get into this, like barroom accusation thing where he has, I think it's what he has a bowl of soup and he gets accused by one of Huang's men of having two bowls and not paying for it. It's a very petty accusation. It's a very petty. <laughs> it's just so bizarre, <laughs> but they like, it was jelly, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, oh, it was jelly. Yeah. It was jelly. Yeah. Was this might jelly. be one of the cultural things. It could be. That I think. I mean, I get the fact that Six is like, he's more honorable and he's like, I didn't steal anything. Mm, I paid right. for what I ate. I get that. Because it, it's, it's almost like, this is another one of like, I keep bringing up Looney Tunes because so many of the bits like made me think of that. But this is like the rabbit season, duck season thing of like, he's so insistent that he didn't do it. 
and eventually it gets to this thing of like, we'll just pay for two. And he's like, well, I won't pay for two because I didn't have two. Oh, yeah, I only had one. And it keeps ramping up and ramping up. And then the next thing you know, he's got a knife and he cuts his stomach open to prove that he only had one. <laughs> yeah, and his accuser is like, I can't see. You have to cut more. <laughs> and then he pulls out, he has a bowl, puts it in his guts and brings it out. And it's got jelly. And he's like, see, just one bowl, just one bowl. And he dies. And he dies. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of like, what the fuck kind of yeah. moments in this movie. And it's weird because it's a big kick up in like the gore even at this yeah. moment. Yeah. But then when he dies, um, Pocky shoots at the dude, right? Or just later? Mm. He shoots him in the <laughs> ear at one point. I, I can't quite remember. Yeah. To be honest. There's, there's a <laughs> lot of little events in this movie and it's hard to keep... You know, track of every little thing after having just seen it once. Um, but in the wake of this, the bandit gang wants to go like all out war immediately and just like attack Huang's place and take him out. But Zheng decides that he is going to kind of like win by cunning rather than just run in there and having a shootout. Right. He wants to best Huang mm-hmm. at his own game. Mm-hmm. So, our next big incident is that Huang invites him over for a meal. And kind of tries to like pass off the whole hat thing. It's like, oh, I was busy. I couldn't come and greet you. Right. Let's get to know one another. Let's like work together well. And they have this whole thing where like he pretends that he's got his men that were like the perpetrators of having six killed. And he has them like being tortured and like they're going to get killed. But it's all this like stage thing where they're behind curtains and they have like fake blood and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's the way that the actors sell it, though, like mm-hmm. when they're behind the curtains, that actually makes it really yeah. fucking hilarious. We can never make it sound as funny as it actually is. Because it's, I mean, yeah, it's always going to be those doofus guys that are like not good at this, trying to pretend like, oh, yeah. quick, now, do it now, do it now. <laughs> it's, there really is so much, it's hard to talk about this movie and make it feel like, and give it the justice that it deserves because so much of it is physical comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. It's all in the performances and stuff. And it's one of those things, if you like that, if you like physical comedy, oh, I yeah. think if you like any type of Jackie Chan stuff, um, it's kind of along the same lines as that comedy. Like there's, mm-hmm. It's slapstick in a lot of ways. Maybe not quite as slapstick as Jackie, but it's still... I think it's more clever slapstick. It's more verbal slapstick. Yeah. Some other fun incidentals before this dinner, because it just came back to me. Um, We get a lot with Ma where he thinks he's going to like, he's kind of the one who's going to try to play both sides and come out the victor in the end. Because he kind of like plays up to Master Huang when they're there. And like Zhang can see like his loyalty is like not, not as locked in as it seems. Mm -hmm. But some of that is exacerbated by Zhang, by Zhang. Because he sleeps with his wife. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a hilarious scene where it's like, she just goes along with the narrative <laughs> that the other dude was her husband she and She seems died. pretty anxious, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah so. Yep, so that, that's a hilarious scene. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at this dinner, they start talking about this great bandit, uh, Pocky, Pocky Zhang. And Huang is like fooled enough that he doesn't realize that it's the governor. Right. And he thinks it's someone just out there in the wilderness kind of plaguing this region. Because they call him Pocky because everyone thinks he's like pockmarked and stuff, which he is not. And so they get into this whole thing of like, they want to like team up to get rid of him. 
and Jang plays up this whole thing of like, well, I'm going to do like a campaign and I want people like the, the wealthy people in the city to contribute money to me. And I'll use that to bankroll the destruction of the bandits and make everything safe. And they get into this hilarious bit of that. Like he wants them all to contribute equally. And then Huang, like he wants the other families to give so much first and then he'll give so much. Mm. There's a lot of like debate about finances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which again, I think us talking about it sounds so boring, but it's much more engaging in like the back and forth between them. Right. And everything is shot so well and edited Mm -hmm. so well that it's like it it does the really good like cut 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 mm. yeah cut, it's a very rapid forth. fire yeah so the, which I think is interesting because not a lot of films are able to sell comedy through their editing yeah which so much of good comedy is done through editing and I think a lot of times when something's meant to be funny it's not because it's just not edited well yeah I mean I think it says a lot too that. Um, he is both the director and the lead character, and he has such a tight control on like the pace of everything. Yeah, he wrote the script too. Apparently, it took over thirty drafts until he was satisfied. Oh, clearly, Jesus. very meticulous. Clearly, wouldn't make it in Hollywood now because they're like, <laughs> "Well, that's that'll do it." Um, so that night after the dinner, Huang dispatches some assassins, and he's just you know going to send them in, take some arrows, kill the governor in his sleep. Let's just be done with this. No mm-hmm. more games. Doesn't quite go to plan. Uh, by happenstance, it ends up that, uh, what, uh, Ma's wife wants him to sleep with her again, but he decides not to, because I guess he feels guilty mm-hmm. after that first time. So he kind of goes off to be on his own. So when they riddle all those arrows in there, all it does is kills Ma's wife. Yeah, then the movie gets, like, horribly <laughs> serious for a little bit. Because Ma is just, like, devastated. Yeah, he's destroyed. Um, they're able to quickly dispatch the assassins. Because we we haven't talked about it too much, but the actual like bandit gang, they're all just like expert marksmen. Yeah. Amazing there's, crack shots. And there's something really fun that they all do that I love is they all have these little whistles. Oh yeah, yeah. That they've like <laughs> tucked under their tongue or whatever, and they pull it out and I think it's a pheasant call. Mm-hmm. Uh but they do all these little pheasant calls and they subtitle them, which is fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like they're having conversations with each other mm-hmm. through these little bird calls. Yeah, and it that joke is one of those that it's like they use the joke so much that it's not funny anymore, and then it gets funny again because they keep using it. Well, it gets really funny, and we'll get to it later when it, they kind of get mixed up on the calls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but she dies, and that forces um, Ma to actually reveal that he was the governor and that he had been kind of playing them the whole time, which just complicates things even more. So because technically she is. By story to the town, the governor's wife, they have to have a funeral. So they stage this whole funeral, and then while the funeral is going on, Zhang has some of his men go to Huang and kidnap... Um, yeah, they kidnap... They think it's Huang. But they get the body double. Yeah, this yeah. is where the body double and is. Like, the, yeah. And two other of Goose Town's <laughs> leading families, they kidnap them. And their plan is that as the bandit gang, they're going to ransom their survival. But then this is where they learn that there is a body double. And Pocky Zhang's response, that's one, of, that's one of my favorite lines in the movie. He's like, he's a body double? That's a really good idea. You should get one of those. <laughs> it's like, he's not even mad. Yeah. He's like, oh, damn. That's a good move. <laughs> yeah, so the town raises the ransom money, and then he unfortunately finds out about the body double. And then instead, they turn around and give the money back to the people. 
which these are fun scenes where they kind of like put it all into little bags and like rush through the town. Yeah, target through people's windows. Yeah. I would like somebody to ride through and throw money in my window. That'd be nice. <laughs> um, break your window. You have to use all the money it. to pay it. <laughs> Insurance, man. Insurance. Uh, and there's another character we should talk about that's been in it a little bit early on. We've seen her a few times, but she becomes more prominent in this part. Uh, Flora. She's a young prostitute that I guess Huang has ownership of. Mm-hmm. And she's the drummer lady, right? Yeah, she's the drummer lady when they do the greeting for the governor's arrival. And she kind of has a moment where she like... You know, she's checking out Zhang. Zhang's checking out her. You see her later when they have the dinner. She's like there at the estate. Mm-hmm. Um, but they throw like multiple bags of money into her house, <laughs> which ends up becoming a problem later because she technically wasn't like one of the poor because Huang like takes care of her and stuff. Right. Um, but in the the fallout of doing that, she realizes who the bandits are. It kind of uncovers their identity. So they end up having to capture her because they don't know, you know, her allegiance, what side she's on. But in the, like, fallout of that, she ends up befriending them, becoming one of the gang. Yep, falls into them. The gang is never, too, they're never the type of people that you feel are the bad guys ever through the mm-hmm. movie. Like, they're always the Robin Hood, the, the merry men. Mm-hmm. And I think it's what, it's two and three she becomes pretty close to, mm-hmm. friendship-wise. There's some later scenes of them, like, palling around. Um, and there's some neat stuff where they're trying to train her. Because they ask her if she can shoot a gun. Because they're wanting her to guard the body double. Oh, yes. Yeah. Some of this shit I don't even remember, man. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's so lot. much that happens in there this really movie. Is. Okay, my excuse is I watched it when we were supposed to record it, like, a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a little over a week for me. I do want to say I like all the guns they have in the movie because they have a bunch of like uh, 1911s mm-hmm. and some uh, boom handle Mausers and stuff like that. So Yeah, some really cool weapons in there. It's a lot of uh, heavy DL-44 blasters. Too, yeah, I know. What's up with that? For some reason, I don't know what that's about. That's weird. So, yeah, they distribute this money. The town's pretty happy that it happened. Well, the next night, Huang gets some of his men to dress up like the bandits with those same like bullet uh, target masks and they go throughout the town and rob everyone and take the money back hilarious like just inversion of what just happened don't they all end up running into each other too i think that's a little later on okay because they they do this whole like race through the town money thing like multiple times throughout the film and eventually there's this whole mix-up that occurs yeah because at one point they all run into each other and it's like all of these masked Mm -hmm. but that's a little later on i think because the next, next big thing that happens is we have more backstory with Ma, which I thought this part was weird. It's funny, but it's very weird. Because this is where this woman approaches, and she claims that he like seduced her out on another town and got her pregnant, and she has a kid by him, but that he has like ran off and abandoned them. Yeah, that was a weird little subplot thing. And she's, she's come to like ask there to be justice done about that. And in the end, you know, Zhang kind of forces him to like do something... And so they end up giving her these two really nice jewels as, like, payment. I, I, this was one of those things that I think was probably a cultural... You think so? I had no clue why it was there. I kept thinking there was going to be more payoff with the sun later, but then... I, well, I'll ask really... this. Have you watched very many mainland China films? No. So I always get tempted, because the, the posters always look fun. Mm-hmm. And they will pop up on Netflix, and I'll be like, well, I don't have anything else to do. 
and I'll put them on, and it's always the same thing. Like every time, there's like very heavy-handed morality tales, and like someone has done something wrong to somebody, and you must get justice. Then it doesn't fit the movie at all. <laughs> and so I don't. Interesting. Maybe that's a cultural thing where it's just something people like to see in films. I don't know, but. And that's one of these things, too. Uh, with our show in general, we always say it's like the journey, the exploration, and we're always learning new things. If you're listening and you have some additional context on this that we don't, write in. Let us know. We're yeah, always, we're always glad it. to learn more and revise what we yeah, know. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, they've got this whole like false bandit thing going on. And Huang again dispatches a bunch of assassins to come and kill the governor, this time disguised as the bandits. But again, they they wipe them out so easily. There's no no contest about that. Um, and so at this point, it's one of those things where Zhang kind of flips the situation on him because now he can be like, oh, the bandits are getting so bad. We have to do something about the right. bandits. We have to do my campaign to wipe them out. And so he finally kind of forces uh, Huang to give in and like pay up to like finance this whole expedition. And then meanwhile, on Huang's end... He's like relentlessly trying to find out how to one up the governor. And I think it's it's one of his servants. We've seen him a few times. I can't remember if he has a name or not. But um he finds an actual portrait of Ma listed as the governor. Which That's right, yes. Pokes a bunch of holes in their whole story they've been right. doing. And so Huang calls them in to confront them. And this seems like that moment where like everything's gonna fall apart and they've lost completely they've completely lost control of the situation. But then surprisingly, at the very last moment, Ma like flips the situation and pretends that um, Zhang is his nephew and that he is the real governor, but that for his own safety, he wanted his nephew to pose as the governor. Right. I mean, that's what I would do. <laughs> very convoluted. It's all very convoluted. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of flows when you're watching it, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where it's like you can't ever really stop to think about it. It's it's like Dustin said. It's a Looney Tunes sketch. Yeah, like the whole thing has got to be. It's just so much back and forth. Mm-hmm. Of we're gonna try to one up the next guy. No, yeah. it can't. You know, it's just. But yeah, it does make sense when you're watching, and it does flow, and it is. Which I mean, we'll talk about our ratings later. But I do think it is a very enjoyable film. Oh yeah, to watch. I think it's a lot of fun. But then when you go back and try to dissect it, you're like, the fuck. <laughs> right. So with with Huang reassured. They finally go forward with this bandit extermination. Unfortunately, Huang is still playing them at the same time, and he's hired a fake person to be uh, Pocky Zhang mm-hmm. and have him out there with men to kill our Zhang, the real one, that he doesn't know is the bandit right. leader, but is actually. And they make this big deal about um, Huang has a landmine yeah. that he's purchased. <laughs> And he's he's really keen on killing them with the landmine. Yeah, he wants to use his landmine. And he gives some like very specific instructions to like set up a spot in the road that's like near where the battle will happen. I mean, if I had a landmine, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Get those damn kids off my lawn. So this is like one of the better action scenes I think in the film when they're actually yeah. sieging the bandits. Right. I kind of wish it was a bit more stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Really great action. They're all they kind of split up into little teams. This is where we really see the bird calls pay off. <laughs> yeah. It just makes me think of the scene where uh, the one guy gets shot in the face, 
Mm. And, and he can't the, use the whistle. And he can't use the whistle, so Ma tries to use the whistle. He doesn't know the signals and stuff. <laughs> and it's like subtitling what he's actually whistling, and it's like, number one is dead. And they're like, what? Yeah. Number one is dead. And he's like, no. <laughs> and Zang's like, well, I'm not dead. <laughs> but even though, like, at this point, it is comical, that little, like, exchange with the bird whistles, it really feels very serious. And, like, you don't know if they're going to survive this encounter oh, yeah, yeah. or not. Yeah. They really like if you're gonna say this is ever a thriller, this is maybe one of the times because they really do ratchet up the tension. Yeah, this is not more of an action film at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think isn't this when they revealed that like one of the one of his men was captured and killed? They have him yes. like hung up. Yes, I think it's two. Maybe it's two. it was two. Yeah. yeah. So that's sad. They're actually, and they still make it funny though mm-hmm. in that scene because they're like. I don't know, is he dead? And then they shoot him like a hundred times and they're like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually they overcome the bandits. They capture the fake Shang. And then to get away, he offers these two jewels as like payment. He's like, let me bribe you so that you don't Yeah, the ones you took from the yeah, woman and, they, and her son. And they notice that um, it's the two that they gave the woman and her son and this guy admits that he killed them and took yeah. them. Yeah, big mistake. So then Ma's very... Well, this is a part I'm kind of curious about because when I came here tonight, I like read the synopsis online to like refresh myself. Mm-hmm. And what I read in the synopsis didn't quite fit with what I remembered. So I don't know if this is a me problem or if this is like a someone hastily wrote this synopsis problem. So in the synopsis, it says that like Ma's filled with grief and he tries to run off. When I watched it, I kind of took it more of just a, like, he thought he was in over his head. Yeah, and just trying to bug and out. And he was just going to take those jewels and bug out on his own. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah. So, and then he goes over the landmine and blows up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, it's not supposed to be a tragic moment. Because that, 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 to me, was like in that final moment, he was betraying him one more time. Mm-hmm. But then he pays for it with the landmine. Yeah. Um, but, a lot of tonal shifts in this movie. A lot of tonal shifts. Yeah, really, actually, quite quite a few. So Zhang is obviously upset about this for whatever like enmity they did have between them. He did like Ma quite a yeah. bit, and he realizes that in a way this dude's whole life's kind of been ruined <laughs> by everything that's happened. Pretty much. And so he vows revenge that he's going to settle things with Huang, and they go back to the town. Um. Then they do the whole like they're going to scatter. They, they put money all over the town. They put money all over the town. Uh, freely for the people, and they want them to take it, but they don't take. it. Yeah. They refuse. So Huang goes out and gets it all. Mm-hmm. Or his men go out and get it. He doesn't do anything. And this is where we again get the like whole title element come in of let the bullets fly a while. Because the rest of the bandits don't really see what Zhang is planning. Mm-hmm. But he's clearly working towards something. Yeah, he's like painting tunnels on the sides of buildings and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the next day, they distribute a bunch of guns all throughout the city. Try to arm the citizens. And it's kind of like this thing where they're trying to stoke the flames of like, oh, we need to just rally and attack Master Huang. Yeah, yeah. He's the problem in the town. But nobody's interested. This is also cu- cultural to the time period, mm. to the uh, wars that are happening within China at the time. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, I think this is one of those cultural things that actually has to do with the 1920s in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, because literally the world, the, like the warlord era, everybody... The poor people are have give zero fucks. Mm. 
you know, it's like we could give two shits about who is in charge. Like they're all gonna treat us like shit, right? And they all think that we're loyal to them, and no one actually cares. So I think that's probably like mm. a context in that as to why they're like, no, <laughs> this mm. is all between you all. We have just yeah. let us be. Either way, we're gonna be screwed over. Yeah. You know? And I guess you are right, Michael. It is before the bandit campaign when there's the two sets of bandits running around at night. That's the scene I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, and then yeah. they're all like, look, at, it's just like a total slapstick bit. They have a face off and then they don't know who's who. Yeah. 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 Funny scene. And it's, it's funny too because in the end they kill all of Huang's men mm-hmm. and all of them are fine. But yeah, so they distribute these guns. No one wants to do anything. So the last stage of the plan is they go to like right outside of Huang's manor. <laughs> and they post up and they start just shooting bullets, firing, they're shouting like there's a battle going on. And who is it? They have, is it the bandit's head they have? It's someone, someone they've, ca- it's the, 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 the look like the, They behead them. Yeah. They behead, they behead the look-alike, yeah. So, and, they, and everyone thinks it's Wong that they just killed. Yep, and they kind of go back into the town. They're like, Wong's dead. We've like take, taken down the tyrant. Go raid his manor. Take everything that you want. Yeah, and they say something about how he's got a look-alike back at the Citadel, so yeah. it's, not the, it's not the real Wong, if you see him. <laughs> Which is the final payoff for that whole back and forth with the uh, copycat. So with this, like, reassurance, and that was kind of Zhang's point, was that, like, if you make them believe that they can win, yeah. eventually they'll just roll along. Mm-hmm. Um, but they raid the manor, they kill all of Huang's men, Huang gets captured... They start just, like, stripping down the place, stealing everything they can. Yeah, taking all their stuff back. <laughs> Which is great. And uh, Zhuang and Huang kind of get this final little, like, back and forth between them. He's finally bested him. Yep. Zhang gives him a handgun with one mm-hmm. bullet so he can kill himself. And they have a funny exchange, too, about the hats as well. Because he talks about how the hat he sent was so nice. And then Huang's like, well, I've actually got a nicer one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I loved that because the whole thing about the hat was it was supposed to be like, oh, that's his sign of respect. He sent his nicest hat. But even that's just a sham. His nicest, yeah. I'm going to stop coming to the podcast. I'm just going to send my nicest hat. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to be a hat sitting here. And since I'm the one who records it, it's just not going to get done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, there's another funny thing here, too, where it's the it's the like champion fighter guy the, from the trial at the start. Woo, man. Woo, yeah. He's the one that like runs down Huang and wants to just kill him. And then they're like, no, 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 just let him, let him go do his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Huang kind of wanders off back into his home. And then later he's like up... On like, it's like on the parapet, the parapet of yeah. the house, and he fires that bullet, but it's to get their attention. And then the, he shows him the better hat, <laughs> which he throws <laughs> to him. And then he walks back into the citadel, and it blows up. <laughs> with more with a, poor CG with another landmine. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's happy. Everyone's having a good time. The, the town is restored with their wealth, and everything is good. Um, and then we get this funny coda where. It's three. He decides that he's going to marry Flora, uh-huh. and the other bandits are going to go with them to Shanghai and kind of try to have a more peaceful life. Yeah. And it's sort of this like sad departure where they're just going to leave him to be the governor. Or so you think, but this is again where I think those Western tropes come back in, where it's like, even though he settled things here, he can't stay. Yeah. That's just like not his nature to want to stay. 
Just like Kiyoma. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. At least there's no caterwauling in this world. The world just keeps spinning around and around, so anywhere you go, you wind up in the same place. And, and as long as he's free, he can never die. It's true. <laughs> right. That baby's going to need some damn food. What are you talking about? <laughs> so our, gone, our last little shot is they, they board a train and it heads off through the mountains. And then you see um, Zhang riding along behind them. Yep. And he's decided that he's just going to follow along as well. The end. Cute, cute little ending. It very much has that vibe of like, this is just one chapter and an ongoing adventure. Yeah. That's all, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is there other special things we need to talk about that we didn't hit along the way? I don't know if you talked about how awesome Chai Fat is. <laughs> he is amazing in this. <laughs> Thinking of him as like... So, like, the killer, yeah. you guys showed me that, like, a year or two ago, and it was my first time seeing it. <sighs> to imagine him in that, and then to come to this, it's such a change, but he does both styles so perfectly. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has such charisma. It's just natural, it seems. Uh, Being able to do comedy, I think, is a huge, a huge Comedy's thing. gotta be the hardest. It but it's really also does. a big thing amongst Chinese films too, like mainland China. Hong Kong never really fucked with like we got to make our lead funny, you know, unless you were Jackie. Yeah, and that was his a few thing. Things, but, but like yeah. all of John Woo's stuff is like we don't need to worry about that. Like just make him kick ass. Sure, um, the movies seem to be more serious because they had serious things in their mind. Yeah, but I feel like something a lot is of... coming up pretty soon. <laughs> they were a little worried about. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of. The mainland China films always have that bit of comedy, mm-hmm. like peppered into them, and it's almost like a rite of passage to be good at comedic performances, to be a, a good, like movie star mm. kind of. Thing. Well, say Chow Yun Fat, man, he can do it all. Yep, he's the man. There was one joke I really liked. We kind of glossed over because I can't quite remember what the kickoff for it is, but something happens. It might be with Flora when they first like bring her in. Or maybe it's a little before that, but Zhang is like annoyed at the other bandits and he accuses them of doing something wrong. I forget what, but they do this whole repetition thing where like each one of them is like, come on, you know me, I'm number two. Oh, that was when one of Huang's men assaults. That was also another tonal shift where he straight up sexually assaults one of the women of the village. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. Yeah, I couldn't remember the catalog. Yeah, and then they're blaming it on the bandits. And then Zhang's like, okay, did one of you do this? And yeah, like, you know me. I. One of them says, like, if it were me, I would have raped the husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what the kickoff is. It's when um, he sends out the fake bandits to steal back the money. Yeah. Because right. when they do that, they beat people up, and eventually one, yeah. someone gets raped in the exchange. Yeah. That, so that's a hilarious gag, because they each have their own little spiel Some about, reason. like, why it's not them. Mm-hmm. But they always start with, you know me. If I was, if I, yeah, you know me. <laughs> If I had the urge, I would just do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Super funny. Yeah, that was a good bit. Okay. So I think we've learned through doing this episode that we're not going to be able to approach comedies very well in any future thing. Because it's really hard to explain a comedy. Like, it's really hard to talk about. Because it's so subjective of, you know, like a film element. We can say something's funny, but it's not like we can really... I don't know. It's really hard. To I think it down. depends on the comedy, mm-hmm. and the cultural barrier probably doesn't help either. Yeah, you know. But I mean, you're not wrong it, because it's that comedy is the sort of thing you really has to be seen. Like you could talk about a horror film and say all the stuff that happens, and maybe you're not going to make the listener scared, but they're going to get the point. Right. Mm-hmm. With a comedy, you're like, well, why is that funny? That doesn't sound very funny. 
Oh, right. Sorry. I'm like You're surging over here. Michael's got an electrical Whoa. charge uh, built up. Uh, uh, <laughs> your pacemaker. Watch out. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think we're good. I don't have any other background stuff. I got nothing. Um, I think we can go into final thoughts. Let's do it. I can go first. Sure. I've seen this before. Oh. I actually watched this when it came out. Oh, wow. Um, because that was when I was on my huge kick of... Poser. <laughs> <laughs> he saw it before. It I saw cool. when it came out. Before Cliffy knew all so, about it. Okay, <sighs> so I do have to say this. Do you know about the time when uh, Jason was ribbing me about having um, black rim glasses and wearing metal t-shirts and that I'm just a hipster? I think I've heard that story. And yeah. I actually yeah. didn't pay attention and it left my mouth. I was wearing this before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> just proved my point. And Jason's wow. like, oh my God, he said it. <laughs> he said it. He actually said it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, during this time was like uh, when the Dragon Dynasty mm. uh, company was out. So I was like voraciously consuming everything Asian nice. film that I could, especially Asian action films, because I loved those so much. Um, and this one, when I watched it, I was like, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I thought it was going to be. And so at the time, I don't think I liked it very much. Because you were like craving those action films. Yeah, yeah. and I and the, if you see the trailers for this, too, that they put out. Yeah, they do play up the action. It is, yeah, it's not at Which all. There's like, I'm going to say, like, there's the one great scene that's like the bandit siege. And then there's like one or two other moments of like really, really great action, but it's definitely more the comedy that reigns. Mm-hmm. So when Cliffy was like, when Cliffy recommended it, I was like, I don't know. Like, I've seen it. <laughs> it was fine. It was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I rewatched it and like knew that it, and I'm watching it separate from that, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Uh, cool. Like, I think I would probably settle at like a four. Nice. On it, just because I thought. It's so well done. It's well edited, well shot, well put together, and it's just very well thought out. Aside from, you know, the few little hiccups that, like the CG. Uh, yeah. But I don't think this suffers from pacing problems the way that a lot of mainland China films do. There's always so much padding in those that you know the runtime on this one is two hours twelve minutes, but I really didn't feel it. No, it like it flows length. well enough. Like everything kind of goes right into each other. That I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of... Because even some of the scenes, like the subplot with the uh, the other woman in the sun that comes for Ma, like that is kind of weird and out of place, but like it's so quick and they move on from it. And then it's just that callback later in the, the bandit siege. But, like it's not like I would say like, ah, that needs to just not be in there at all. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of times in Chinese films, I don't think that Japanese films do it as much. They tend to be a little more direct and like don't tend to veer. In terms of, like, side stories and stuff. Depends on the director. Well, that's true. Uh, But in a lot of Chinese films, there's, like, so many different avenues that it goes that I'm like, whoa. But that's probably me being a spoiled um, ADD American. (laughs) It's like, no, no, no. I need one thing. And I need it to be an hour and a half. And I don't need you to to go any more than that. Um, I don't think this one did that. I think it just was pretty direct. It followed the line. Maybe that's what doing 30 drafts of a script does for you. Is You can definitely tell that like every moment is very meticulously planned and staged. Yeah. So, no, I really dug it. I think the, the performances are all super fun. Um, Chow's just great. I mean, yeah, now you can hear my erection. It's fine. <laughs> so, hey. No, I love it. Uh, yeah, four. Cool. Jason, I'm going to have you go next. Okay. I suspect you may be more negative. Slightly, slightly, yeah. yeah. I, I, I liked it, but so I, th- I found it a little repetitive. 
in parts. Yeah. Because it's, it's that whole back and forth thing. And it's kind of like, okay, all right. Um, but the performances were so much fun that really drives the movie along. You know, because mm-hmm. you... Especially with Chow and um, with with the wrong name? casting, I think this film. Would yeah, fall it wouldn't work. It yeah. wouldn't work. But the two leads are great. It's, you know, uh, editing's great. Uh, I'm not typically a fan of goofier mm-hmm. sort of action films, like Stephen Chow, for instance. I can't do his movies. Oh, I don't. I'm not a big Stephen Chow fan. I like either. some of his stuff. Yeah, I can't do goofy typically. This sometimes gets a little too goofy, but. Um, I don't want to bust Cliffy's balls. <laughs> Do it. But, bust his balls. See, there, I bet there, he can take it. There's a part of me that wants to give it two and a half. Because I think it's fairly average. But Chow Yun-Fat gives it at least <laughs> half a star. So I'm giving it three. Nice. Okay. Okay, well, for me... I mean, three is really good for you. For Jason, yeah. Hell yeah. That's like, that's like a four from anyone else. Yeah. Hey. Um, I quite like the film. I actually loved it quite a bit. Um, one thing I don't know if we touched on too much, there's a lot of impressive camera work in the movie. Yeah. Like really, really good cinematography. Like even that opening train robbery. Yeah. There's the weird CGI, but like when that stuff's not going on, the visuals are so good. There's amazing, like long wide shots of the train moving through that little Valley. They have the shot where it's like the train's moving and the camera's like low on the ground behind it and kind of rides up alongside it and then lifts up really awesome shots. Super Mm. cool. Yeah. True. True. Um, And then there's a lot of, like, on that bandit siege spot, there's a lot of, like, camera hovering above the trees where they are and kind of seeing the shootouts play out. Yeah, so I I thought there's a lot of great visuals. Just, like, everything about this on every level of the script, the staging, the costuming, like, the fact that it won that award for costuming and makeup, I can see that totally. Oh, yeah, me too. Every character is, like, very interestingly designed, well-dressed. Even those bandits, like, the fact that they're, like, number two, number three, number four... And they don't get a lot of backstory in their mannerisms and their dress and the way they carry themselves. You get a lot of their personality just like suggested to you through the action as it's going on. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to stop and tell you like blah, blah, blah's backstory, this person's backstory, this person's backstory. Right. So I, I think that for the time too, it's like very economical the way it's constructed. And for me, like I keep bringing up Looney Tunes. I grew up on that stuff. I love it. Oh, sure. I think it's hilarious yeah. every time. So I was rolling the whole time through this film. I thought it was just so funny, so hilarious. I loved every exchange. Chao fats amazing. Zhang Wen's amazing. I just loved it so much, and it was super fun. It does have problems. It's not perfect. There are a few spots that are a little weird to me. There is that very egregiously bad CG. So I am super confident at sitting at a four on this one. Okay. All right. Hmm. Four, three, four. Pretty good. That's not bad. It's pretty good. We should have busted Cliffy's balls a little more. You can't, because it's a good film, man. I know, but... But Cliffy seems like the kind of guy who can take having some ball busting. He might even like it. He might. Whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to speculate on that. Cliffy, if you like your balls busted, let us know, man. Uh, wow. Um, so, guy. yeah. We don't judge. That's that. Thank you so much, Cliffy, for that suggestion. We've got your yeah, other man, ones. Yeah, man. We appreciate it, seriously. He quickly unsubscribed. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, we've got your other ones in our master list of suggested films. We'll get to those at some point down the road as we go. Would yeah. it make sense to fit them in? We are ready to start a new topic. New theme. And it was my pick this time, and you may have subtly subtly noticed over the last few episodes in our intros, we've been having a lot going on. A lot of, a lot of real life crap, a lot of work crap. Real life sucks. Yeah, and the podcast has been a super fun getaway from all of those things. 
And I had a few different ideas, some that were like very super ultra serious that I definitely want to do at some point and talk about. Oh, we're doing it. But when I thought about what was coming next, I was like, I just need to have a fun time, I mm-hmm. think, for the next few episodes. Yeah. So I picked one that was, I think, maybe kind of in all of our minds is one we wanted to do at some point. And let's just go ahead and get out of the way. We've done made-for-TV movies, and there's one certain type of made-for-TV movie that comes up a lot that we didn't do one of, but it's also a whole other thing as well. Not a genre, but again, a type sort of category. So I thought it would be fitting if we did some anthology films. Yeah. A favorite of all of ours. Briefly, what is an anthology film, Dustin? So that is any film where you have several shorter segments that are composed together. Yes. Like a few short stories. Yes, Maybe a few with short a wraparound stories. or something. Sometimes with a frame story that connects them, sometimes not. Yes. It depends. Obviously, there's a lot of great horror ones that we all love, but there's many that stretch far beyond that into other stuff as well. So it's a, it's a sure. ripe play, playing field, and it's one we can do and then even come back again in the future. But as usual, horror is the best. Yes. And Michael, <laughs> as always, you are starting us off. So I am going to do a little film, um, great anthology film called Love Actually. Um, oh, no. Holy I'm, shit, okay. I'm, I'm, Man, not, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it is an anthology film. It is true. But I'm not going to do that. No, I'm actually going to take us back to probably the oldest film that we've done so far. Yeah, it's older than Dr. T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so from 1945, uh, I am going to do a film called Dead of Night. I've heard about this film. I never saw it. Some may even call it legendary. Yes, it is kind of the it's quintessential classic. foundation of horror anthology films. Um, some people consider it the, to be a really big precursor to The Twilight Zone, probably just because it's anthology-like. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm super excited to watch this. It is going to be a little tricky. Are you waving at me? Or are you flipping? I'm sorry. There's a bug over here. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like oh, waving man. his hand. The bugs there. are back, man. The bugs are back. He's oh, no, tripping balls. Acid's kicking in. I shouldn't have done that tab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this might be a little tricky to track down, but I've already done the homework for you um, to find a couple places that you can watch it. Um, there is a streaming service called Canopy with a K. Um, you do need a library card for it, but you know what? Fuck it. You should have a library card anyway, because libraries are great, man. If you're in the States... You're already paying for it. You pay for it already, and there's a shit ton of stuff on there that you get for free. Yeah, you can go there and use a computer and look at porn, and they can't even stop you. No, they can. Oh. Yeah, I saw it happen once in the local library. There's an old dude sitting there looking at porn, and they were like, sir. Sir. (laughs) That's awesome. And his name was Jason. Oh, and we should say apologies to our foreign listeners. You're, you're going to be on your own tracking this one down. I'm sure it's out there. I'm okay. sure there's some way to get at it. I have seen this movie, and if you buy it, it's worth the purchase. If you're okay. a horror fan, it is a seminal work. I know it is for sale on uh, Amazon Prime. You can buy it there. Yeah, and there's a couple other places that you can buy. Yeah. So it was one of the very few horror films produced in England during the war. So, so yeah, they're um, in the war. <laughs> uh, check yourself very like if it's available check out canopy i'm sure there's other interesting things on there too i'll see for myself when i pop on there yeah uh there's if you all are clever listeners you you know how to find stuff <laughs> figure it out you'll figure you guys it are out smart. i don't really need to spoon feed you anything um but until then it's been so much fun thank yes. you guys so much for always writing um, for everybody that's been engaging with us on Twitter, Dustin has a blast engaging with you guys. He works the Twitters because I don't know how to use it. He's our social media coordinator. <laughs> sure. 
by accident, but yeah. Yeah, it's mostly because they don't really want me to respond to people because I don't have tact or coos. Um, and send, I don't know send how send to use things, them. Say things. <laughs> usually, usually I just sent a picture of my penis. Uh, usually between every episode, I'll put up what we've been watching that we talk about in every film, and I'm always saying, like, hey, tell me what you've been watching, and yeah, do it, man. Just say, if you've seen something in the last like week, just sound off. We've had a couple yeah. people do that now so far. Yeah. yeah. And Super if you agree cool. with us, let us know. And if you disagree with us, especially if you disagree with Dustin, please let us know. Yeah, mm. it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I did have to ask you guys. Did you think that Let the Bullets Fly would have worked better as a play? Mm. There's too much going on, I think, for a play. Yeah, okay, I just thought I would I would check. Um, I like you're doing that every time now. <laughs> Do you think this would be... Have you ever... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys so much. We enjoy all of the interactions with you. Let's just... Uh, kind of gives us a good idea of why we keep doing this and and because we have fun and hopefully you still enjoy it so um until next time you guys have been listening to genre exposure bye everyone take care you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening.